The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, it complicates things, but getting to grips with how your body specifically is going to react to various types of exercise is going to hugely benefit your overall management and will in time make you more sensitive to insulin, help regulate blood sugars. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Insulone Podcast with myself, Owen Costello. I don't need to introduce myself if you have been keeping along with the podcasts. I hope you've had a fantastic week. Last week, I had a fantastic guest on, Gillian. I hope you enjoyed it. And this week, I'm back to the way things really are. I'm with my good friend, Graham. Graham, how are you doing? Owen, it's great to be back. As much as I missed being on the podcast last week, I just want to say how fantastic Gillian was. It was such a great conversation between the two of you. And the fact that her sibling is also a diabetic is just insane. And if you're just listening to this podcast and you missed last week's with Gillian, 100% go back and listen to that one if you do get a chance. But how has your week been since you recorded with Gillian? Yeah, week has been good. I've uh, tried to stay as busy as I can. The weather in Ireland has been very nice. I've been going out for a few walks with my mother, my dog, which, which has been really nice. It's funny, actually, I put up a post on Instagram about the dawn phenomenon a week or two ago. And this week, I've noticed that a bit more for whatever reason that may be. So if you don't know what the dawn phenomenon is or the dawn effect, basically, it's an early morning blood sugar spike. So Biologically, what happens is when we're just about to wake up or around 2 a.m. to 8 a.m., it can depend, our body wants to basically give us energy to wake us up. So our liver will release lots of glucose to give us energy and wake up and tackle the day to come. Obviously, if you're not diabetic, your body will release insulin to counteract that spike of glucose and it will balance it out naturally. Whereas if you are diabetic like myself, when your blood sugar spikes, we don't deal with it naturally internally in our body. So we have to take insulin. So this week I've been, I've been waking up 
with a few high blood sugars, which isn't an ideal start to the day. But uh, once you check your blood sugar, the second you wake up, you can correct it and you're, uh, you're, you're good to go. How do you feel when you wake up? Like, what kind of feeling do you have on your body? You, it's strange. Now, everyone will have a different experience with high blood sugars and low blood sugars. They're generally quite the same, but the feeling and the sensation people may have various different feelings so if i wake up with a, with a high blood sugar it's like i wake up but i'm still really tired it's like you know when you wake up and you have a hangover yeah. and your eyes somehow open and you're like oh, i'm awake but i'm still drained and tired so it's kind of like that you wake up and i feel as if my blood is hotter than it normally is and i mentioned it in the very very first episode that it's almost like I feel someone is squeezing me from the inside, which is yeah. a, a, a strange feeling to wake up to. But, we uh, are on this week to talk about a topic that's very close to your heart and a topic that is really central to your life. It is fitness and the importance of exercise. Now, we know that exercise is important to everybody, but why in particular would it be important to people with diabetes? Yeah, obviously, diabetes or fitness is hugely important. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, what you do. Exercise should be a part of your day, no matter what. But specifically, when we talk about diabetes, I feel exercise is like an irreplaceable tool that can benefit your diabetes management. So the three most impactful factors or aspects of diabetes are insulin itself so medication diet or nutrition and exercise so it's like a diabetes triangle so if you don't have one of the three of that triangle you're gonna see the effects of it and more often than not negative effects and you won't have as good management as you potentially could regular exercise and frequent activity will basically improve your insulin sensitivity and that basically means that over time, you will require less insulin. Your body will work with the insulin more efficiently. Your body can use its own glucose more efficiently. And overall, that can help regulate your blood sugars. When you require less insulin, it's almost like you don't get lost in the doses of insulin that you take. Like days where I'm sitting around and I don't necessarily want to exercise, you know, when you have an off day and you don't really want to move. You're more inclined to reach for bad foods. You're more inclined to kind of feel sorry for yourself. You're in a bad mood. And the food that you eat, you will probably require more insulin. And I feel when I'm, when I'm sitting around and the more insulin I take, it's harder to manage it because I don't know if the insulin I've taken is still, is still working for the next hour or two. And I don't know if I should take more for this food. Or it just, it, It's kind of like you, you get caught in a twister of insulin doses, I feel, when you're not kind of on a steady routine with how your body can react. So can you explain insulin sensitivity to me again? The more you exercise, the less insulin you will need. Did I hear that correctly? A good example is if you have a lower body fat and, say, higher muscle mass, so glucose is going to be stored in muscle and your liver, basically. So when you have larger muscle mass throughout your body, it's almost like there's more storage for the glucose in your body. 
So if your liver and your, say your muscles can store more glucose, therefore there's less glucose kind of going around in your bloodstream and your blood sugar isn't going to be as high. So for me, because I train and I particularly look to try and build myself up and keep myself fit and try and hold on to some muscle, that will have a huge influence on on how my body can use that glucose and store the glucose. So it's like there's less glucose being dumped into your bloodstream. You were training in the gym before you were diagnosed with diabetes and then obviously you've continued to do so after your diagnosis. Did you notice a difference in the way your body reacted to the training since you became a diabetic? Yeah, definitely. So I often am asked this question from people. It's like, how do I build muscle with type 1 diabetes or can I build muscle with type 1 diabetes? And to answer the question is, yeah, of course you can build muscle with type 1 diabetes. Like our bodies work the same as everybody else's, although our pancreas doesn't work. So we have to act as our own external pancreas. So when I was training in the gym, I, like I've always been into fitness and I've always been into team sports and kind of any any sport really I've I've played. But I started getting into the gym when I was kind of probably just turned 19, obviously before I, I got diabetes. And I was training as, as you would. I was lifting weights and I was doing all sorts of things like that in the gym. And then I was hit in the face with a brick, which was diabetes. And I obviously had to take a number of weeks to adjust to this new life that I had been dealt. But it was strange to see how the normal sessions that I had been doing, even though they consisted of the same exercises and the same reps and the same fundamentals of training, I was still, I was still adhering to. But now because I had diabetes, I was going into the gym and my number one priority was, first of all, are my blood sugars in a safe, a safe range here for me to exercise? When I was exercising, I need to think, okay, I need to double check to make sure my levels are still at a healthy range and they're not on the way down or on the way up. And then after exercise, the exercise that you do can basically have an effect on your levels for two, three, four, five hours afterwards. So you kind of have to keep a closer eye on them then. So it was kind of like a lot of trial and error when I first got diabetes and then I was training in the gym where you you go in and you do weights and you, you're in a great mood and you, you want to get a good workout in. And then because you're doing weights, your blood sugar might spike. And then you're like, oh, this is taken away from my energy. Now I have to take insulin to bring this down or now I have to do cardio to bring this down. And then you may go out for a run. And you feel great and the sun's shining and you're in a great mood. And then, boom, like the flick of a switch, your blood sugar starts dropping. You need to either have a sugary drink or glucose tablets to bring your blood sugar back up. And you've just now consumed any calories that you've tried so hard to burn. So it complicates things, but getting to grips with how your body specifically is going to react to various types of exercise is going to hugely benefit your overall management and will in time make you more sensitive to insulin, help regulate blood sugars, and not just diabetes-wise. When you exercise regularly, regularly you, it suppresses your cravings. So just like the diabetes triangle that I was referencing earlier on, 
the exercise part is just as important as the nutrition part. And they're both linked. They're all linked. So if you exercise, you are then basically suppressing cravings. So you're less likely to reach for the bad foods that are going to have negative effects on your blood sugar. So if you go out for a run and you're getting all these endorphins flying, you feel amazing, you've put in a lot of hard work, you're you're sweating, you feel like you've achieved something, it's great. You're not going to get back to your house and instantly reach for fries or a burger or some sugary cereal that's going to spike your blood sugar straight away. You know you're going to reach for the food that is going to complement the workout that you've just done. You know yourself, Graham. You, you go out for the gym. You go out to the gym or you go for a run. You're not going to come home and order a McDonald's. I'm very privy to a bowl of cocoa pops. It is my weakness. <laughs> I understand exactly what you're saying. So, the healthier you are in a fitness sense, the more you're inclined to be healthier with nutrition as well, and that's so important with diabetes. Also, what other kind of positive impacts does it have? Because I remember you saying before, how sleep is so important. Does it aid your sleep as well? Yeah, of course. So a lot of people think that the more I exercise, the less energy I have. It's almost like the opposite. The more exercise you do and the more frequent activity that you're involved in, the more energy you have because your body is working as as it's supposed to. You're releasing endorphins. Your hormones are starting to regulate themselves as they should. And of course, that's going to make you sleep better too because you're going to get to bed and you're going to put in a full day's work or whatever you're doing and you're going to have you're, you're going to have a workout that you've done throughout the day under your belt and you're going to knock out like a light and actually it doesn't just make you make you knock out like a light in terms of sleep it's going to boost your motivation reduce stress reduce anxiety and it's just going to clear your head which is i think the most important part of exercise even today I got up and I knew we were going to record an episode today. And uh, it's just one of those mornings. I was just kind of in a funk and I didn't feel particularly motivated to do anything really. And I was like, oh, I was looking forward to recording because I always, I always love recording these podcasts. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I need, to, I need to get my head out of this funk before I start recording with Graham. So as much as I didn't want to exercise, I knew that if I did, it was going to have a huge impact. So I kind of just pulled up the socks and <laughs> went out to the garden and did a few exercises. And then, sure, 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, I was in a great mood and I couldn't wait to record with you, you know? I don't think I've ever gone and exercised and felt worse afterwards. I, no, I don't. Well, I don't think maybe once when I was feeling very hungover, and then I shouldn't have gone, and I forced myself to go. Yeah, but, unless you get sick or break a leg. <laughs> <or something. laughs> but in general, it's just on a day to day. If you're feeling a little bit down, a little bit tired, you're you get such a spike of energy afterwards. So it's such a good thing to do. But something that is interesting right now, so it might be somebody listening, and they're type one, and they're thinking, "I'd love to do more exercise, but I'm kind of intimidated by a gym." Well, the gyms are now closed. So what about home workout? You said you go out to your back garden, you go for walks with your mom as well. What can people do in the comfort of their own home for people who can't go to the gym now because of the coronavirus pandemic or for people who just don't want to go to the gym because they find it intimidating? What sort of stuff are you doing? Yeah, so look, I, I don't want people to be under the impression that 
exercise is exclusively going to the gym or going for a run and that's the only way you can exercise going to the gym and doing weights and going for a run or whatever it is works for me and that's what I love to do and that's the exercise that I personally love but you can do anything exercise is an an infinite form of medicine that we have for our head our body specifically our diabetes so for somebody who doesn't really know what to do you can go out to the garden you can skip you can go for a swim if you live by the water be safe please you can do yoga you can exercise your brain by meditating you can do anything really but i think if you're if you are into the gym and you're kind of sitting at home twiddling your thumbs and you're raging that the gyms are closed as much as i am that's kind of the biggest part of my day that's been taken away uh, so if you are into the gym i'd say there's loads of home workouts you can do what i'm doing at the moment is i'm going out to the garden i'm trying to follow the certain types of training that i usually would in the gym but then making the adjustments to home workouts so i'm doing a lot of squats a lot of lunges with my dog in my hands <laughs> i'm doing loads of push-ups pull-ups those kind of like traditional bodybuilding sort of exercises the ones that i enjoy i'm doing high knee runs burpees they kill me there's loads of stuff you can do you just you need to just get moving it's funny my dad used to always say whenever you had to do something that you didn't want to do like even growing up going to school or going to work and you'd be like just do don't think you know because I knew that I had to go to school or I knew that I had to go to work or college and I may not have necessarily wanted to. So you kind of just sometimes have to push yourself without even overthinking it and just do it. In relation to team sports, how does that work? You played football or soccer for the American listeners for quite some time and you still do play from time to time. Really interested to see because when you're in the gym, it, that's kind of a solo effort so you're able to monitor your blood sugar levels um, whenever you want but in the middle of a football match I don't know if you can ask the referee to stop the game till you check your <laughs> blood sugar levels so how do you do it and if somebody maybe a young teenager is listening as well and they're kind of worried about restarting sports and what other people are thinking about them how did it work for you? Yeah I think that was a big change for me too so for my whole life basically I was hugely into football it was like or soccer was like the main part of my life when diabetes got introduced it was certainly different because as you said when you're in the gym you can take a break and you can check your blood sugar you can take your insulin or treat a low blood sugar whereas when you're on a football pitch and you also have other players on your team relying on you to be in a certain position or mark a certain player it's not exactly ideal so for me, I kind of had to discover that more often than not, when I did cardio, my blood sugar would usually drop. So when I played, I would have to obviously check my blood sugar before a match. I always wanted it to be slightly higher than like my average range, just so that when I played, that cardio would bring my blood sugar down, but it wouldn't be too low that I need to go off because I'm now in a hypoglycemic state. So I checked my blood sugar before the match. I would obviously check it at half time and then after the game. But most of the time, I would check it minimum two times during each half as well. As well. Wow. So I remember, like, you'd be in the middle of a game and there'd be people, like, 
screaming at each other, killing each other in tackles, just high-intensity game. You'd need to duck to the sideline there to check your blood sugar for two minutes. So would you have to give all your insulin pen and your blood sugar checker to one of the managers? I remember when I was asthmatic, I had to give my inhaler to the first aid man. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just in case I had an asthma attack. Would you have to do I, that as well? Was there a designated person on the sideline who had all your stuff? No, I just... Well, everybody was aware of the fact that I was diabetic. So if I fell to the ground, people would kind of know that, uh-oh, he's diabetic, <laughs> get somebody over. Yeah. Um, but I used to always just keep my supplies in, in my bag, just right beside the sideline, so I could get them easy enough. It's funny as well, because the last team that I played on, the goalkeeper that was on my team was actually diagnosed with type 1 himself, like last year or two years ago or something. <laughs> Isn't that mad? Wow. Yeah. So was he very much like really inquisitive to you, asking you question after question how, how it goes? Yeah, well, now he, he was diagnosed after I went to the States, so I didn't see him in person. But I've kept in touch with him online a bit, and he's been asking me a few things. So He'd be handy, though. He'd be able to have, keep everything in the nets, standing right beside it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Depending on how well we're playing, he can check his blood sugar all he wants. You said that you like to have your blood sugars high before a game just so they didn't go too low then during was there any particular routine you would do before a game like foods you would eat and stuff like that yeah now when i say high i don't mean high as in like a range that's dangerous so say for example i always like to keep my blood sugar in range of between four and eight for europeans and in the states it's 72 and 144 so that doesn't really mean anything to you but that's the ideal range for me so if I was to play a match, I would want my blood sugar to go up to maybe, let's say, 10 or so, just so I know it's at that height. And then usually my blood sugar is going to drop because of all the running around. And then it's going to stay within that range, hopefully, and not drop too low because I've stayed high. So usually before a game, I would <laughs> I'd have like a granola bar or a digestive biscuit or a couple of glucose tablets just to bring me up that slight bit. And then obviously when I check half time or throughout the match, I'll know if it's high or low. And it's interesting too, when you're running around and you're sweating and your heart rate is up and you can sometimes feel slightly dizzy, you become desensitized to the feeling of a high or a low because you're not as aware of how your body's feeling. You know that kind of way? Yeah. So if you're sweating and you're dizzy and your your heart rate's up, these can all be signs and symptoms of a high or a low. So sometimes you can be in the middle of a match and you can get something called hypoanxiety. It's actually a term that we use in the diabetes world where you become anxious of the fact that you may be high or low. So I had plenty of times where I was, I'd be playing a match and I always wanted to be clued in because I wanted to play well and I, I wanted to win the game. So having this hypo-anxiety kick in during big moments of the game or just any moment really was really stressful because it takes away from your mental focus of the game itself and you're now thinking, am I high or low here or am I just sweating and my heart rate is high? And then you're thinking... Do I have to now go off and check my blood sugar? Can I wait for an ideal time for the ball to go out or 
a free kick to happen where I can run to the side and do it. And yeah, it was, like it was always, there was always these, these thoughts kind of flying around your head in team sports like that. Now, it wouldn't prevent me from doing it. And if you are diabetic listening to this, being diabetic should not ever prevent you or stop you from playing a sport that you love because there are plenty of professional athletes around the world that have type 1 in various different sports. So having diabetes should not ever stop you from playing a sport you want to do. And I just want to reiterate that fact and that thought and that mindset that every diabetic around the world needs to have particularly young people who may have it or have just been diagnosed and it's daunting and it's uncertain and they don't really know what the future entails this isn't going to stop you from doing anything you want to do you just need to control your diabetes and you can live any life you want to live yeah that is so true Owen so just kind of looking at what we've learned so far over this episode about the importance of exercise i've learned about the triangle how exercise nutrition and insulin are all so important to a diabetic how exercising even just a little bit will have so many positive impacts on your life both physically and mentally and it creates a discipline as well which is going to be of such benefit as well for you to control your blood sugars and just like i said earlier exercise doesn't have to be going to the gym exercise can be going for a walk it can be going for a cycle going for a swim jump up and down in your sitting room if you want to it's what you enjoy what clears your head what's going to benefit your diabetes what you can look forward to i think that's the most important thing exercise shouldn't be a chore it should be something you look forward to throughout the day but i think in future episodes i'd like to touch on how if you want to build muscle what you need to do if you want to lose some weight what you need to do and then maybe more in detail in terms of nutrition and how the, the diabetes triangle can all work in harmony. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Insulone podcast. Make sure to subscribe so each episode goes directly to your phone. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Insulone. And if you have any question you'd like answered on the podcast, you can email it to theinsulonepodcast at gmail.com.